Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well guys, a little bit of context for tonight. Uh, we don't normally uh, do that with our previews, but uh, as we record this on the evening of July 9th, we just found out earlier today that the Big Ten is canceling all non-conference play and thus redoing their schedules uh, completely. So there's a lot of questions on um, whether or not we'll be seeing Michigan or Ohio State or Rutgers or Indiana uh, as an added bonus uh, game for the Cats this year. So um, kind of take that with a grain of salt uh, if we need to come back and revisit uh the Wolverines a little bit later, we will certainly do so. But uh, that being said, you know Michigan seems to be always a bridesmaid, uh, never the bride in the uh, Big Ten East. Um, I, as, I refer to it as Harbaugh purgatory in my notes. Yeah, pretty much. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Harbaugh has gotten them to a point, um, gotten them to consistently third in the East, sometimes even second. But uh, I mean, that Ohio State barrier has just been a little bit too much for him to handle. The NFL wasn't calling this past year. Um, Will it be calling in future years? Who's to say? But uh, defensively, they've always been pretty stout. Any reason to see that different this year, John? Well, uh, the Big Ten was definitely a deep defensive conference in 2019. And Michigan was a good defensive football team. Now... I wouldn't say Michigan was one of the best defenses in the conference. What they were was a strong defense among other strong defenses in the upper echelon. And if that sounds like me saying that Michigan's defense was a disappointment last year, that's kind of true. Um, We've been accustomed to Michigan being at worst a top three defense in the conference. And last year's unit was not that. With that said, Michigan had to climb a mountain heading into last season. Because they lost not only all their best players, but also two of their best defensive coaches in Greg Madison and Al Washington, who defected to Ohio State. So it's kind of a testament to that unreal rebuild Michigan did back in 2017, um, that expectations for what was going to be an equally titanic rebuild last year uh, were so unreasonable for the Wolverines. And they really were kind of unreasonable. So we should also do Michigan a solid here, which is to extend the Wolverines the same courtesy we extended our own defense last year. It's hard to be a good defense week after week when your offense isn't showing up. And Michigan's offense was pretty bad for parts of the season last year. And the Wolverine defense basically in those moments kept the Wolverines from being a flat out bad football team for large stretches of time. So, still, Michigan kind of finds itself in a weird position. It feels like the Wolverines are going to be turning the page to a younger generation in several areas of this defense. But at the same time, as Sammy said right off the top here, Jim Harbaugh seems to kind of be wearing out his welcome slowly. Um, Which, if you've been following Jim Harbaugh tends to be something that happens eventually anyway, even if usually, he's... Usually four years, is that, that's been the magic number. Right. Um, so it's not the most stable period in the recent history of this, again, 
typically awesome defense. So let's start here. For a team that was facing such a daunting rebuild heading into last season, the Wolverines lose a heck of a lot heading into 2020. That starts with the linebackers. So the good news here, I guess, is that Cameron McGrone put up 65 tackles, 9 tackles for loss, and and 3.5 sacks last year in less than a full season of play. But that's it. That's the good news. Michigan loses 190 tackles. The number one and number two tacklers on the team in Kalik Hudson and Jordan Glasgow, um, plus another 11 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks from the linebacker defensive end hybrid Josh Uche. The team gets Josh Ross back from injury. He missed a ton of last season, but there aren't any big names waiting to see the field here, even though this is Michigan. Um, if you juxtapose it with, say, an Ohio State, there's not like a Baron Browning here. Uh, there's not that equivalent. In the secondary, Michigan loses the defense's only all-Big Ten first-team selection last year in corner Lavert Hill, plus the team's number three tackler in safety Joss Medalist. So if you're keeping track, Michigan's losing their top three tacklers. Um, here, though, Michigan has a lot more talent to reload with starting with former monster safety recruit Daxton Hill, who has looked great in limited action. Um, and Hill and Brad Hawkins both have looked really good um, in limited action. They're both going to be your starting safeties. They're going to be a really strong tandem, and they're going to help overcome a lot of the deficiencies at linebacker. Ambry Thomas had three picks at corner last year, and he's going to be solid. But the big thing, and again, here's one of those things where you step back and you're like, don't forget that this is Michigan. And there are a ton of talented recruits fighting for playing time at corner here. So this kind of feels more like a changing of the guard that's probably going to bear a lot of fruit down the road, especially with how good those safeties are going to be. The main anchor of this team, though, is the defensive line. And this unit loses Uche's contributions. And again, he's kind of that hybrid kind of mold player. Um, but it returns everything else. And this is a very good defensive line in almost a Michigan State mold. There's no Chase Winovich here. These are lunch pail guys. They're earth movers. They absorb blockers. They make everything else go. Um, Quiddy Pae, Aiden Hutchinson, and Carlo Kemp get the job done in the trenches. Um, they are really, again, these are strong guys. These are line controllers. And expected to help to step in to help all of these guys, continuing a recent theme, um, is a name that still leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in Northwestern fans' mouths. That would be Chris Hinton Jr., the mega recruit who spurned his dad's team to sign with Jim Harbaugh. Um, so what we're left with after all this is a defense with a mediocre-looking linebacker core, a young but very talented secondary, and a really stalwart defensive line. There are monster recruits here, like Hill and Hinton, ready to make an impact. So this is definitely going to be a good defense. Like, make no mistake, like, this is a quality unit. Um, and probably, when you look at some of the guys who are going to get in a corner, you look at the safeties, you look at a guy like Hinton, the seeds of a dominant defense are probably here. But I think the question you start to wonder when you're looking at the changing of the guard and a bunch of these really young, really talented guys stepping up is like, by the time these guys are upperclassmen, like, how are fans going to be feeling about Jim Harbaugh by the time we get to that point? So, again, 
this unit is going to eventually gel into something really good down the road. For next year, they are going to be excellent, probably third, fourth, fifth best defense in the conference. Uh, so, Scuzz, offensively, um, John mentioned they were uh, fairly mediocre last year. Shea Patterson's gone. Is that addition by subtraction? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the jury is really out. I think the quarterback position has been the bugaboo for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan from day one. And he has, he has still not figured it out. I think um, what's interesting, you know, Shea Patterson had a pretty good year really the last two years um, and, and arguably was the best QB of the Jim Harbaugh era, but still was not able to really elevate his team. Uh, Did not put up great stats last season. In fact, regressed in a number of different ways. So, you know, whether or not the likes of Dylan McCaffrey or um, Joe Milton, I think is the other guy uh, that's probably in line this next year can, can step in and become that dynamic QB and do for Harbaugh what Andrew Luck did for him at Stanford. That's a huge, huge question mark. Um, I, I think, you know, J- Josh Gaddis coming over from from Penn State and then Alabama to Michigan was was meant to revitalize this offense and bring it into the modern era. Uh, there's, it's interesting. I read one one preview that that was, in my opinion, um, kind of taking some. I'm not liberties because there was nothing wrong about what they did. Our, our our buddy our buddy Chris Giannini would would approve of me calling this uh, manipulating of statistics. I think, <laughs> but kind of split the season into like the first half and the second half, and was like, look how much better they were in the second half. And the reality is, if you look at what Michigan did last year on offense with Gaddis and and in the second year of Shea Patterson versus two years ago, sure they scored more points on some teams and performed better against some teams. Um, they also performed worse against some teams and generally the, the predominant factor in why that happened was where they played the game. If it was at home or on the road. So it, for example, last year they got kicked in the teeth by Wisconsin on the road. The prior year they beat them at home. Same thing with the flip flop with Notre Dame, right? They destroyed Notre Dame last year. It was in Michigan stadium. The prior season, Notre Dame dominated that dominated them. Um, Indiana is another one, you know, scoring dropped, but it was on the road. Uh, Ohio State, they scored uh, more, but it was because it was at home. I mean, it's just like it's it's just like very very clear when you look at at their schedules and line it all up that they they weren't that great last year. They were no really no better than they were the year before. And in fact, when you dig into the stats, some of their per play metrics and their efficiency were actually worse. Um, that's really surprising. Their offensive line last year had four. Uh, I think, I think four All Americans or All Conference players, guys that are all in the NFL next year, and they weren't good. Um, the sack rate was bad. The the rushing the 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 per play rushing stats were not good. And when you look at Shea Patterson and his numbers, he really dropped off. He went from sixty five percent to fifty six percent completion percentage, um, twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. That's really, I mean, that's that's not good. Uh, his Yards per attempt was flat. His TD to pick rate was flat. Um, that sack rate, like I mentioned before, went up. I mean, that's that's the sign of an offense that got a lot less efficient. And sure, they scored a ton of points. They were still only fifth in the com- in the conference in in points per game. And I just 
they lose so much going into this next season. They lose those four offensive linemen. They lose Shea Patterson. You've got Dylan McCaffrey, who, who, you know, maybe had 60 snaps each of the last two years. Uh, didn't look super comfortable throwing the ball. Certainly has a, has a threat with his legs. You know, comes from the storied McCaffrey family. You know, was a big-time NU target. We'll see what happens. You know, him having another year to work with Josh Gaddis. Uh, Joe Milton is more of a traditional pocket passer um, in the in the vein of, uh, of of some of the guys Harbaugh had when he when he inherited this team. You know, who knows if that's if that's going to work if that's if that's going to be the approach. I mean, like the strength of this team remains their their running backs uh, Zach Zach Charbonneau and um, Hassan uh, Haskins last year were both decent. They averaged five yards per attempt. Um, they, you know, they had 15 TDs. I mean, kind of pedestrian numbers for Michigan running backs, but it was an improvement from the year before in terms of their total production. Like I said, the per play metrics weren't as good. Those guys are both back. They should be strong running the ball. But I mean, th- that's always been the heart of Harbaugh's offenses, and it's been part of the problem. It's what's it's been what hold, holds him back. It's why he lost. 13 to 14 against Iowa in 2016 and only scored 10 points against them last year. Uh, he, he has not allowed his offense to mature into um, the modern type of offense. And part of the hang up there is he hasn't had a quarterback um, that can be the right type of trigger man in that, in that, in that space. And I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Um, you know, they, they certainly have the wide receiver talent. They always have uh, Donovan people's Jones was the number one, wide receiver recruit when he came to Michigan three years ago. He was disappointing at best last year, 13 yards per catch, a total of, of 400 yards on 34 catches. Um, Tariq Black was phenomenal uh, a couple seasons ago before getting injured, came back last year, 12, 13 yards per attempt or per catch, 300 yards on 25 catches, just not great, you know. Um, that being said, Nico Collins comes back. Uh, Ronnie Bell, who led the team in receiving, comes back those guys are both dynamic they have great recruits coming up in you know all the positions but i like it just goes you know it's 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 funny we when we talked about ohio state i talked about you know kevin wilson and ryan day and their understanding of modern offense and the way they're able to apply it and fit it to a guy like justin fields or a guy like Dwayne haskins two very very different players right but two years back to back they're able to get the absolute most out of those guys I have no faith that Harbaugh and Gaddis can pull that off this next season, and and maybe they'll surprise us. But um, it 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 just seems like they are rooted in a more you know traditional run heavy approach to offense. It's it's what Harbaugh ran at Stanford. It was the opposite of what everyone else was doing in the Pac-12. It worked for him. It's what he carried into the NFL, and again was was the opposite of what a lot of the the NFC West was doing, and again it carried him. But in those cases, I mean, he had Andrew Luck as his quarterback at Stanford. He has nobody that has even sniffed that level of of quarterback play at Michigan relatively, right? Um, same thing when he was in the NFL. He had Colin Kaepernick, a unique talent in, in terms of the way they were able to scheme him and use him and, and take advantage of his legs. And again, like he just he doesn't have that going for him right now. Uh, at Michigan, and there's no evidence to me 
to see that they can be anything better than the the third or fourth best offense in the conference. And, you know, they're going to continue to dominate the teams that that are inferior talent wise. And when they play the Ohio States and the Penn States and the Northwesterns, as evidence in 2018, like they're going to struggle to put up a ton of points. And that's just how it's going to be until like until they prove us otherwise. I don't I don't know why we would expect anything less. Uh, so this is typically the part of the pod that I would rattle through their schedule, but um, as their schedule does not exist at this uh, point in time, um, let, let's talk about where they sit in the East. I mean, they're clearly not better than Ohio State. Are they better than Penn State? I don't. I don't think so. But you guys, it's 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 very close. I think to me the the bigger thing is, I I think it's. I think comparing them to Indiana is a classic situation, right? Because at this moment in time, Indiana is, I would say, firmly rooted in that number four spot. I mean, again, like traditionally that's where Michigan State's real estate. I think if you look at where Michigan State is at this point in time and where Indiana is, I'd say Indiana's in that number four spot. And really, you know, Michigan took Indiana to the woodshed last year. And it's one of those things where... It's really important, and as Cuz said, like this was not a good offense last year. Um, but Michigan's defense, the level of talent year in and year out, is just so good. And you know, you could make a lot out of the fact that Michigan and Shea Patterson had a field day against Indiana last year. But Indiana's defense is not a good defense. But Indiana's offense is a good offense, and Michigan really just stopped them dead in their tracks so michigan's always going to have that so it's like when you entertain all these things of like okay so where does michigan stay if you look at michigan's schedule and again there's so much flux but if you look at the conference schedule as you know as it's laid out they currently have wisconsin as a crossover game and then of course they have penn state they have ohio state that triumvirate um the ohio state that's on the that's an l I mean, I just, I don't see like this Michigan team being in the realm that Ohio State team is in. And those Wisconsin and Penn State teams, those teams are going to go to war. And thanks to Wisconsin, to Michigan's defense, um, they're going to be in those games probably. So, and, so, so real quick, I want to jump in here because they have played Mich- both Michigan, Michigan has played both Wisconsin and Penn State each of the, the last four years. Let me document for you how those have gone. I'm going to start with Wisconsin because it's the less like stark one. So in 2016, they beat Wisconsin 14 to seven in the big house. The following year, they lost at Wisconsin 10 to 24 in 2018. They beat Wisconsin 38, 13 at the big house. And then last year they lost to Wisconsin at home, uh, 14 to, to 30 something, maybe 31. I don't have it up. Hold on. Let me pull this. Yeah, up. that it, it was a bloodbath. <laughs> we all remember it. Um, so here's here's the really fun one. Yeah, 35-14 last year to, to 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 Wisconsin at Wisconsin. So presumably if, you know, if they kept Wisconsin on the schedule this year, it would be a home game and I would probably give them a good chance at winning based on historical performance. Penn State. This is wild. 2016 at the Big House. They beat Penn State 49 to 10. 2017 at Penn State, they lose 13 to 42. 2018, again at the Big House, they beat Penn State 42-7. to And last year, 
at Penn State. Now this is tighter. They lose 21-28, but we know Penn State's offense last year was was not what it was in those in those Trace McSorley years. But given that they would again presumably host Penn State, it seems logical that they would be able to take them to the woodshed. I mean, like like there's such a trick or treat team based on where they play, which is and, which is crazy because the Big House is not known for its like advantage or or intimidation right. factor, right? Right, but it's like when you add all that up, it seems like we can safely assume we're probably looking at a split there, right? Wisconsin and Penn State. No, not if they get them both at home. Well, maybe. Right, true. The right. current it's, the current landscape would indicate they play both at home, but that could totally change. It's possible. I, I like. Here's the other thing. You know, it's funny. You know, we did Ohio State and talking about looking and be like, it doesn't matter who they get. Like this theoretical additional Big Ten game. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. Michigan, it matters. Yeah. Because Michigan could get Nebraska or Illinois, or Michigan could get Iowa or us. Or or Minnesota. I mean, like... Well, well, they've got Minnesota. I mean, like, I'm, like... Minnesota was on their schedule. I don't want to step on the Minnesota pod, but uh, (laughs) uh, let's just say uh, the... Lies, damn lies, and statistics relative Man, to that defense. Minnesota, you, Minnesota burned me so bad last year, dude. I like, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm, I'm not over. I know, that. I know, I know, Scuzz. Well, Scuzz, that's the thing, right? You've Scuzz still has a lot of real estate he's did that he got stuck with. So, um, but I, but anyway, what I would say is, if if they pick up an Iowa or a Northwestern, like, like negative, like. I would say they're taking that Ohio State L. I think they're taking at least one L somewhere else. And it's going to be, you know, there's a really good chance that, especially if it's Penn State, that it's in the East, right? So it's yet another year where Michigan has a good football team and they are not in the conversation for the East, really, in any way. And that's, that's where we're sitting. And then, you know... It's just a question of degrees of malaise after that. Michigan fans want to win the East. Like, that's the goal. So, you know, uh, and, uh, no, 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 sir. <laughs> they, they, they want to win a national State. championship. Oh, yeah, yeah no, ex- exactly. No, right. You got it. So, they're, and they're not in that place right now. So, after that, it's definitely like degrees of malaise. Now, again, it's like reality check. This team, teams like, let's say, Purdue or Indiana, uh, you know, you you think you're going to get a shootout out of that, and then you remember how good in the, uh, Michigan's defense is capable of being, even against good offenses like that. So the and then you know those teams are so weak defensively that Michigan can just grind them, and they do. But if they pull like an, an us or an Iowa, and they get lose, I mean, obviously it's like eight and four. Well, I mean, that, I shouldn't say eight and four, but four losses under this scenario. That's a six and four season in the ten games that we're looking at right now, which would just be horrific for Michigan fans, you know. So, um, but I think you know realistically, like they're taking two conference losses, they're not going to be winning their side of the conference, and we're going to be right back to where it seems like we always are in recent history with Harbaugh. Well, well, it's important. It's important to note that whoever starts at QB for them this year is going to be very raw. I mean, again, McCaffrey got at most. 60 or 70 snaps the last two seasons that's not a lot of activity and he and he didn't look great doing it either and and the quarterback this year ain't gonna get 
creamy frosting at the beginning of the season and the schedule to get you know comfortable and get up to speed. I mean, this is like, point. well, they could be their, their opening with game. Wisconsin. Their opening game was at Washington, so let's you know they, they were. It was going to be a, a bit of a tough run at first, but then Ball State and Arkansas State. So. Yeah, but, but, but like, for, yeah, like for if the... it's McCaffrey starting against Wisconsin, that's a friggin' nightmare. For them. <laughs> yep. It's. I mean, they. That's and that's when you factor that in. I mean, that's if that's where they start. If like they're starting the season and it's on September twenty sixth, and again, like Sam said, this could all get rejiggered. We're working with the best information we've got right now, but. If that's where they start against that Wisconsin defense, he's going to get torn apart. Like, again, Michigan, we've seen what those kind of games look like. Michigan's found themselves in plenty of them in the Harbaugh era. But, like, that is not going to be pretty football. Do not turn on that game expecting to see points because you're not going to. Um, And then it's just, you know, in a situation like that, it's a coin flip. It could go either way. But the Penn State game, you can run that right back. So... You know, if if it's Michigan's relying on a series of coin flips here, all it takes is those just going the wrong way, and they're looking at a pretty miserable season. So, question: You know, this you know we've done the four teams that were not on Northwestern schedule. Obviously, we all want Rutgers, um, but how how would we feel about uh, Indiana or Michigan? Obviously, we don't want Ohio State, but between Michigan and Indiana, which is which is better for Northwestern? I mean, oh. is, isn't isn't the answer Indiana, given yeah what Ramsey brings us and and like the insider knowledge he's going to have on that team, the the um, the motivation that that will be for for us to beat them, and vice versa, of course. But I like I just I like I think Northwestern has a tendency to take Indiana lightly, and as a result, it becomes problematic for us. I feel like Michigan probably has the horses to grind us, like you were saying, John. I mean, it, you know, when we played two years ago, it was close, right? It was a twenty to seventeen game. But I like as as bullish as I want to be about Northwestern. I don't love the I love our chances lined up against this this Michigan squad. I mean, we haven't beaten them since the Rich Rod years. So, like, I I I would say this way: if you ask me, who do I want to play? most of the time I'm going to go based on who I think we have the best chance of beating here. I would go differently. I think our chances of beating Indiana are slightly better, but it's really close. And if you beat Indiana, it's like, eh, you beat Michigan. It's like you beat Michigan. Yeah. Good point. And really good point. And we of course have, and like, could we beat this Michigan team? Oh yes. Like, there's no doubt about that. Like, this is not a, an amazing Michigan team, like, by any stretch of the imagination. They are really, they have depth, and they have real strength on defense. And that's where their bread is buttered. And could we beat that team in a low-scoring game? Yes. The exact same way Wisconsin and Penn State, etc. Like, don't sell our defense short. It's really good. So, yes, and again, you know, it's like, it's ironic though, because you look at you're like, yeah, but this Michigan team flattened that Indiana team last year. And it's like, yeah, but things work a little bit more differently for us. And I think the, both of those teams are going to, would be tall orders for us. Michigan would be the bigger feather in the cap. I would want the Wolverines. Maybe we'll get them. You never know. Yeah. I'm sure by the time we record next, we'll, we'll know a little bit more and we'll be able to, to break that down. Um, Please obviously, let it as, be Rutgers. I know, right? <laughs> um, obviously, uh, as we move forward, 
we're not going to be previewing uh, Tulane or Central Michigan or Morgan State. So uh, we'll be coming back next week with the Big Ten teams that Northwestern would be playing anyway. So um, we'll be taking a look at that. We'll have a lot more to talk about as we find out more about the schedule and kind of what things are going. One other thing, just, you know, not, not to go too deep, but it was real interesting that in the Big Ten statement, they definitely made a very strong point that if college football is played uh, mm. in the fall, I mean that that's becoming more of more of a conversation than I, I think any of us thought it would be uh, in, in previous weeks. So we shall see. Ew. And yeah. And with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.